I have some good news. I'm going to start with some good news yesterday. Yesterday, thanks be to God, Jonah Bonnet was given a name. He was given a name on the day of his birth. That's pretty cool. We were excited about that. Someone, someone else, and here's, here's a newsflash for all of us, someone else who is not you named you, too. They named you as well. You were set apart by someone else, and at the same time, you were made, you were made and given a name. You were defined by someone else. They gave, they gave, uh, and then you were also made, you were also made because of this to name and to define for yourself, to give voice to people and things and experiences. So this is what God does and this is what people do. We identify and we name because we have been identified and named. This is the human experience because we were made in God's image. I heard a line this week spoken about a werewolf, and this in a fictional show, obviously, and this was the line, I don't know how they identify. Now, maybe you recognize this uh, line because you've watched uh, this Netflix show Wednesday. I'm not necessarily recommending this show. I'm just saying that I heard the line in the show. So some of us old folks cringe when we hear language like this. I don't know how they identify. And we might cry out in, in outrage or something like outrage. I don't need to be re-educated. This is what old folks do when they hear stuff like that. Now, some of us under the age of 20 cringe for other reasons when we hear something like this. You want to be like Wednesday Adams because she doesn't have a phone and therefore she's not she, she's not uh, constantly being pressured to pay attention to what everyone else around her tells her that she must care about, what everyone else thinks about her all the time. This is the constant pressure that many of us live under. Not only do you have to answer the classic questions, the kinds of questions I was raised with, what do you want to do with your life? Now you have to care 24-7 about your appearance on Instagram. Lord, I'm so glad that I got a, my first cell phone in college, and it was a dumb phone at that. You don't have to simply pick your own friends and what you want to wear, how you appear when you go somewhere. You are told that you have to identify not only those things, but even the own, your own hormones. You get to choose what hormones run through your body. You get to make up your own language, or you have to make up your own language. And I even read uh, yesterday that you can self-identify as Wednesday Adams. Questions of identity are not just generational cringe questions. They're crippling. They're crippling all of us. I must decide everything about myself all the time kind of questions. You and your parents ask different kinds of questions, and that's okay. That's kind of one of those no-duh things that you figure out over time in every generation. But we're all in the same boat together. What do I mean by that? 
We have been told for at least the last 100 years that we must decide for ourselves what we are. If you're a philosopher, we call this existentialism. So we are all existentialists. Let me explain that for a second. This is what existentialism says. You are not a, until you self-actualize, okay, so let me translate that for you a little bit generationally here. You are not a man until you get a job, all right? There's one generation's uh, existentialism. You are not a Christian unless you do this, or you're not a good Christian unless you do this, or these are existentialist kinds of questions, and it comes down even to our day. You are not born as a human or else with a human nature, with anything given at all, until you, through your own creative action, become a human being by doing something. This is existentialism to its, to its nth degree, which we're experiencing today. Who are you? This is a tough question. How do you identify yourself? What is your name? What does that mean? What do you do? What do you do for a living? Do I have to decide this for myself? Or do I get to decide this for myself? These are all questions that we ask and we answer on a daily basis. This morning is the feast of the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. And together I want to consider questions of identity this morning. Who are we? Who are you? If you only ever ever see me on Sunday mornings, you could pretty easily define Chris Bohr. You could pretty easily define me, that guy's a priest, or else he's a weirdo, or I don't know what's going on with that guy. I can't really really pin him. But you you can begin to identify me. But if you've never been over to my house for dinner, you wouldn't know that I usually wear sweatpants. Most of you do know that I usually wear sweatpants. Even to meetings at the church, you've been there, okay? But even our clothes, even our clothes, more than a covering, and if you've ever thought about why in the world you wear clothes, even just as a covering, they tell us something, or else we identify by wearing them. They, they identify us, and we, we present ourselves to the world for specific reasons and specific purposes. But questions of identity, they go far deeper than the clothes we wear. What does our flesh and blood mean? What does it mean to be embodied? Is what we are only what I make of myself? Existentialism, or is there something essential about what it means to be human? Are people just the random result of chance? When grieving the death of his wife, C.S. Lewis wrote about this scientific way of viewing the world. He says, if she, if his deceased wife is not, and what he means by that is she is no longer existent. If she is not, then she never was. I mistook a cloud of atoms for a person. This is probably the most powerful way to articulate this. This is not a surface issue that an Instagram filter can fix. From our birthday to our death, identity goes much deeper than the clothes that we wear. And here's the, here's the reality. 
we can't avoid these questions. Even if we don't want to think about them, you're experiencing him, them this morning. As you think about what other people think about you or else you present something to everyone else, right? It's always happening all the time around us. It's what it means to be human. We are told, we are told endless dogmas, endless orthodoxies of our day that center our identity in all kinds of other places. Christians try to center our identity around Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ. Our culture tries to center our identity increasingly over and over again in different ways around sexuality as if that's the most important thing about what it means to be human or else our athletic performance, our athletic performance or financial or ministry success or our kids. We, we find our identity in our kids or our kids' sexuality or our kids' performance or our kids' success. It goes on forever. Identity issues. Your clothes, your home, your homeschool curriculum. Ooh, did I strike a nerve there? Oh my goodness. If I don't define myself like this, then I'm out. If you don't do this, then you're a bad dad, you're a bad mom, you're, you're not successful, you're not pretty, you're worthless. These are all identity questions. Human identity, to put it very simply, is our problem. How do we define this? What does it mean to be human? We are empty, all of us. We are in pain. We are incessantly drawing attention to ourselves. Even when we don't want to do that, we're doing it. We're fragile, like, a, like an overinflated balloon. And this is an image that Tim Keller uses. We're either like an overinflated balloon that could pop at any moment. So we're puffing up ourselves and we could pop and it could all go to pieces. Or else an underinflated balloon that cannot even get off the ground. This is how we approach identity. Keller says, this is the normal state of the human self. Puff it up, shrink it down. We're in trouble. We need some help. We need some help here. We need something deeper or better to break into our twisted and broken attempts at self-identification. So I don't know exactly where you are this morning because, newsflash, I'm not you, and you don't know where I'm at exactly this morning. You're not me, but I know that you struggle with identity. Every one of us does. What does all of this talk about identity have to do with this feast day, with the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, here's my thesis for this morning. If Christianity means anything, hear this, if Christianity means anything more than everything inside us, the things we think or we feel, or those things outside us, the things we do or what we present, deeper than your feelings, deeper than the blood in your veins even, to be a Christian means that you bear a name, that you have been identified with Christ. Simply, that's what Christian means. You're identified with Christ. You are given a name. So I want to dive deeply into those waters here this morning. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, just before our gospel reading this morning, the opening sentence of the New Testament is an identity statement. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1. This is the book of the genesis of Jesus, 
who is, he is the long-awaited Messiah. He is the Christ, the son of David, and the son of our father Abraham. This is the first sentence of the New Testament. Jesus is then identified in the genealogy with all kinds of questionable characters, highly esteemed heroes, men and women, forgettable kings, and sons who rebelled, who ran away. Then he is named. Then he is named. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's named Jesus, which means God saves, or Yahweh, the Lord saves. Matthew chapter 2. We, we celebrated this text and remembered this text on Friday at Epiphany. King Herod and the baby King Jesus, who is born in King David's city, Bethlehem. Matthew chapter 2 is a battle for a title, for a name, King of the Jews. Herod wants the title. He wants to rule over his little kingdom there in Judea. He wants to be the king of Ju the Jews. And here's how the battle ends. Herod dies. He's a loser, okay? That's, that's the short story of Herod. He is not the king of the Jews. Matthew chapter 27, Pilate knows the answer. Who is the king of the Jews? He knows who it is. Pilate knows who it is. Everyone there knows who the king of the Jews is, and still they mock him. Still they mock him. Back to Matthew chapter 2. Jesus goes into exile in Egypt. He is identified with the people of Israel in exile. He is God's faithful son. And he is like Moses. He returns from exile. Jesus returns to the land. And they called him. They gave him a name, an identity statement, a Nazarene. He's pure. He is a pure one. Matthew chapter 3. It begins right before our gospel reading. It begins with John the Baptist having a wonderful little identity conversation with the holy men of his day. Imagine them dressed maybe kind of like I'm dressed today. And here is their self-identification before John. We are sons of Abraham. We are sons of Abraham. And John responds, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. You, you are sons of the serpent. You are sons of the snake. These are fighting words, y'all. This is not uh, a very tender conversation. John goes on to say, unless you humble yourself and you turn around right now, unless you do that, you will be cut down. You'll be cut off. God is able to raise up a fruitful tree, John goes on to say, a tree from even the stony ground of the wilderness that we are walking right now. And then God will give this tree, this faithful tree, out of the wilderness, he will give them a name. He will identify them as the true sons of Abraham. Ooh. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13, the beginning of our gospel reading then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. Are you kidding me? And do you come to me? What? This, this doesn't make sense, Jesus. Verse 15, but Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. 
He consented. At the beginning of our sermon text, John states the obvious. No way am I baptizing you. You don't need to identify with me. I need to identify with you. Baptize me, Jesus. This is what John says. And Jesus responds, no, John, no, you must baptize me. I left my throne in heaven to fully identify myself with you, with all fallen people, with all of sinful humanity. I condescended all the way to a virgin's womb. And now, John, you and I together right here in this moment, we fulfill all righteousness in this act of mutual humility, both of us. We need to humble ourselves before each other. Only the last can be first, John. I must go down into this water. I have to go down to identify myself fully with you and for you to identify yourself with me. He didn't fully know what he was saying at that point. Verse 16, and when Jesus was baptized... Immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Verse 17, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Everything, hear this, this is a big statement, everything, every identity statement in the whole of Holy Scripture, in the story of humanity, leads to this verse, to this moment. For all humanity, every man and woman who has ever lived, who will ever live, this is the last statement of identity for human beings. This is the last one, the full and final climax. At his baptism, God the Father from heaven declares Jesus is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is a loaded statement. It's full of illusions. It's, it's completing the entire Old Testament story in this declaration. Let me show you. Jesus is, by the declaration of the Father from heaven, he is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. But he's even more than that. Psalm chapter 2. And this reflects some of the psalm that we heard uh, this morning from Psalm 89. Yahweh God said, he said to the king of Israel, to the psalmist, you are my son. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 1, we heard that this morning. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. These verses are coming together here. God the Father confirms from heaven that Jesus is not only his son, the son from heaven, the son of God. He uses Psalm 2 and Isaiah 42 to say that Jesus is the son of David. This is what was signaled at the beginning of the gospel. He is the son of David. He is the long-awaited king in the line of Israel who will rule on the throne forever. And in Isaiah's prophecy this servant king in whom Yahweh delights lays down his life for his sheep hear this from Genesis chapter 22 which is also mixed into this verse take your son Abraham take your son your only son Isaac whom you love 
and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. John the Baptist didn't baptize the self-assured and self-identified sons of Abraham. Jesus is the faithful son of Abraham. Like Isaac, he carries wood on his back up the mountain. He is the son of Abraham from every tribe, tongue, and nation. In him, in Jesus, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. And so, he is the son of God. He is the son of David. He is the son of Abraham. He is the son of Mary. He is the son of man, exalted to the right hand of God the Father. And at his baptism, it all comes together right here. Jesus was identified from heaven... He fully identified with us in the waters of baptism. Sinless Jesus goes into the waters of baptism so that we might identify with him. If you're reading the fathers, God became man so that man might become God. He came down to us to lift us up into himself. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This declaration at his baptism, it doesn't promise a trouble-free life for him or for you. It's just the opposite, actually. The war for identity begins at baptism. There's no fight beforehand. There's no fight. We just give in all over the place. The war begins at baptism, just as Israel after passing through the waters of the Red Sea, was tempted in the wilderness. Immediately after Jesus' baptism in Matthew chapter 4, he goes into the wilderness to be tempted by who? The devil. And what does the devil do? Three times. What does he do? If, identity statement, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, if you are this son of God, this king of heaven, then why don't you just take the earth right now? This is what the devil says in three different ways. Take it. Every kingdom is yours. Just take it, Jesus. The evil one knows who Jesus is. He knows his identity. So at every point in this gospel, the devil challenges him. I know who you are, and he twists it. He twists it. I know who you are, so do what you came to do. Conquer. Conquer. He goads him. He fights against him. Grasp it. Take it for yourself. I'll freely give it to you, he says. The devil says, I will give it to you. Just take it. Take the fruit. It's yours. It's yours by right. Take it. At every point in the gospel, sinful Pharisees and disciples, everyone, all of them together, all humanity challenges Jesus. Who does this man say that he is? This is a question repeated over and over in the Gospels, and he is charged with blasphemy because of his answer and taken to a cross. Blasphemy. It's identity. The Gospel story is a conflict concerning not Not our identity, not the identity of what it means to be human primarily, but the identity of Jesus of Nazareth. Who is he? Who is the real historical figure of Jesus of Nazareth? Is he son? 
Is he the son of God? Is he a son of David? Is he all of the things that he says he is? This is the conflict. And even if we get his identity right, as Peter does in the gospel, what we then do with that information, what we do with it, this identity is still a question. Matthew chapter 16, Peter boldly declares with the devil. Hear this. With the devil, he says, you are the son of the living God. You must not die. You must not die. Take it, Jesus. Take it. It's your kingdom. Take it. It's all yours. What does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. To Peter, get behind me, Satan. That's not how I'm bringing my kingdom. That's not the way. So, if we have identity issues, if you don't think you do, come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about identity issues. I got a lot that I need to work through. You guys can help me, okay? If we have identity issues, and secondly, that the gospel story confronts us with our identity and specifically the identity of Jesus over and over again, so what? So what? How does the identity of Jesus connect with me and all of my stuff? Well, surprise, surprise, it's the sacrament of holy baptism. This is where it all comes together. This is why we are here this morning. If you have never come to Jesus by faith, I invite you to come. Die with him. Die with him in the waters of baptism and be raised with him to newness of life. If you have entered into the waters, I invite you to remember your baptism this morning. That you are identified. You are found in him. You bear his name, Christian. Remember the good news. Jesus was sent into this broken world. He was sent. Passive. He was sent protected in his mother's womb. He was protected by Joseph's righteous action, protecting him and his bride and taking them to Egypt. He entered into his public ministry by submitting to his cousin, by going under the water, having something done to him, by receiving John's baptism. He is identified completely with sinful humanity, yet without sin, Jesus came at the start to receive, to receive, not to do, not to do. What does this mean for us? Before his identity is challenged in this gospel, before his temptation, before a lifetime of rejection and burden bearing for us, before his final betrayal and his crucifixion, before all of this, his father declares before he did anything. You are beloved. You are mine. You are my beloved son. I'm pleased with you. I love you. I'm pleased with you. At his baptism, Jesus is sealed with the Holy Spirit. He is declared the beloved son by his father. And this declaration carries him through everything that he will face. So we too, we too who are dead, we must be raised to life in Christ through baptism, sealed with the Holy Spirit, declared a daughter of Jesus or a son of Jesus. We are a son of the King. 
before we do anything good or bad because of the Father's predestining grace from before the world began, we are named, we are named, set apart, identified by the Father's good pleasure. This is what we all cry out for day by day. This is what we are given in our baptisms. This is what we remember after our baptisms. This is why we baptize infants and children who can't pass a test and teenagers who don't have it all figured out and adults who are still messed up and confused. All comers, come on. This is why we baptize them all, because it's not up to you. It's up to God. He needs to break in and do something before, at the start, to do something in you. We are given something that we cannot self-actualize. We are named. We are bought. We are buried with Christ in baptism. All of these are passive. We passively receive. We are raised with him. We are raised to newness of life and we are declared his beloved. This is our hope. This is the end of identity. We are given everything we need from the start. You don't need anything else after that. You don't need anything else. You have all you need in your baptism, Christian. I am my beloved's and he is mine. This is what we come to celebrate today. We are identified and then we can identify. Just like uh, baby Jonah. He's been given a name. And he's going to learn how to speak. And then he's going to name a bunch of stuff. We, we have been identified. And then we can go and reflect this identity. We can identify. We can name in this world. We are blessed to bless. We are redeemed to redeem. We are created to be creative. We have been found and we're called day by day to more deeply find ourselves in him. We can go deeper into this mystery. More and more every day we can enter in. We can rest in the identity that is ours in Christ. So hear the good news this morning. Jesus is everything that we can hope for. He completes the entire story. He's everything that every human being needs. And you will not be satisfied until you come to him. You will perpetually be dissatisfied until you come to him. So come, come by faith and believe this morning. You are mine. Call out, you are mine. You are my beloved, even as he called you his own. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.